0: Hey, everyone. We are pumped to be able to share an exclusive trailer with you after the show. This is from Blue Wire Studios, and out comes Golden Goal Stories of Soccer Legends. Each Monday, two new episodes will take a look into some of soccer's biggest stars and the moments that define their careers, all narrated by Brandon Kelly, the host of Blue Wire's Always Cheating Podcast. From Holland, Zlatan, Zlatan however you say his name, Messi, Rapino, and many more. Each episode will focus on the historical plays and personalities that make the sport great. So stay tuned after the episode and check out Golden Goal Stories of Soccer Legends wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Hello, everybody, and welcome to an edition of Dying Straightcast on RotoViz Radio. Brought to you by our friends over at Blue Wire, the FFPC, and Bet Online. We are into the July part of the calendar. Not that that really matters these days, but uh, it is July. We are ramping up towards a possible season. And uh, joined with, with me tonight
0: is my co host, Dan Senio. How's it going, Dan? It's going, it's, um, it's, I wouldn't say it's starting to feel like we're going to have football, but I want to feel like we're, we're going to have football. I'm kind of on the edge there someplace. Um, but we always know it's closer to football season when it's Scott fishbowl time. And I know, you know, obviously a few listeners are involved and, and so much of the industry is involved and It's such an amazing thing. Scott, if you're listening, amazing job as always. I know we're not quite done with it yet, and uh, there's still a lot to be done, but what you what you help drive for the community and what you help do for Toys for Tots, kids, make sure everybody's got something to look forward to. Man, I, I'm so excited every year to be a part and and very fortunate to uh, to have won it at some point in time back in my heyday before <laughs> I was all washed up. So it is SFB time. And uh, yeah, I think we're all pretty excited.
1: And we're also excited to be joined by a guest this evening. We are joined by CBS Sports senior writer, Heath Cummings. This is Heath's second time on the show, and I I didn't bring this up before we started recording. And Heath doesn't know this, but about four years ago, he was on the Dynasty Tradecast. He recorded from his porch (laughs) in Florida. And uh, for those that have ever lived in Florida, you know that there's a sound that's made at night in Florida. What's that sound, Heath? I don't
2: know what makes that sound. Like, I know what sound you're talking about now, but (laughs) it's just ambient noise. (laughs) Dan, I'm blanking. What is it?
0: And they're like crickets or something?
2: Yes, I guess that's it. it must well, be that's nice. I don't think they're crickets, though. I think they're something different.
0: Locusts. Uh. Let's go with locusts, because <laughs> that sounds way more aggressive. Is
2: that like a, a cicada? Cicada. There
0: we <laughs> go. Cicada. That sounds right. There you go. <laughs> I should have done my research before
1: I called you out.
2: But <laughs> we're, we're happy to have you on, Heath. How's it going tonight? I I am not outside, and I'm wearing a headset. So even if I was, you wouldn't. Well, you'd probably still hear them. It's It's after dark in Florida. <laughs> But uh, I'm fantastic. Yeah. Uh,
1: uh, how is your uh, Scott Fishbowl team coming around oh, so far? I, finally,
2: someone asked. <laughs> I'm <Like, I just laughs> <been laughs> dying to tell somebody <laughs> about how great my Scott Fishbowl team is, and nobody ever asks about it. No, it's. Uh, I'm very happy with it. Listen, I am one of the worst industry participants in Scott Fishbowl history. I um, have a terrible record. And so it's probably bad. Feel bad if you draft these players, but you know, I've got Zeke and Devontae Adams and Tyreek Hill and Darren Waller and Hunter Henry. I think my team's pretty good.
0: I'm free and clear.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I, I have Tyreek, so you know, I'm just
1: flushing my team as you speak. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> no, you're good. All right, so this uh, tonight we're going to be talking about some win now dynasty targets. Heath is the senior writer over at CBS, and they're trying to wet their feet in the dynasty biz, trying to get more involved with dynasty. Uh, Heath's been doing a great job. I was involved in one of his uh, startup mock drafts, uh, you know, about a month or so ago, and that was a lot of fun. So, Heath, you've been doing a lot of really awesome uh, content on the dynasty side over at CBS.
2: Thank you. Thank you. We're trying to expand. You know, we've had rankings there for a couple of years, but that was just about it. So uh, I finally stopped doing so much baseball stuff. And we've got trade charts and tiers and mock drafts and prospect profiles, all kinds of good stuff.
1: Awesome. So let's talk about Dynasty game. And one of the benefits of Dynasty is you can talk about uh, win-now targets. And we're, we got a few of them to talk about today. But before we do, we have to talk about one of our topics of the win-now targets and that's going to be Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers is one of the win-out targets we'll talk about, uh, currently the QB13 and Dynasty ADP. But your FFPC stat attack is that in 2018 and 2019, Aaron Rodgers had the lowest interception percentage in the
0: NFL. 0.3 in 2018 and 0.7 in 2019. Yeah. I feel like historically he's always been... Pretty darn low. He doesn't really turn the ball over, aside from like rookie year and sophomore year, maybe.
2: Our uh Pete Briscoe told Aaron Rodgers a year or two ago that he actually needs to throw more interceptions.
0: <laughs> and more it chances. would be better
2: for him and for his team. And uh, Aaron Rodgers didn't agree.
0: <laughs> so he did not throw more interceptions. And of course, with the stat attack, we are gonna talk about our friends at the FFPC. This is the home. To the best fantasy football leagues and contests in the industry, including Dynasty, Best Ball, and of course the world famous FFPC main event. To learn more or to join a league, head to myffpc.com. That's myffpc.com, and of course we've got a handful of those great tools at Rotoviz designed specifically for FFPC domination.
1: All right, so let's talk about some win now targets. We're going to go down the list: quarterbacks, running backs, wide receivers, tight ends, and we'll start off with the topic of Aaron Rodgers. Like I mentioned, uh QB thirteen in Dynasty ADP right now. Certainly, yes, I know he's getting older, but if you told me two years ago Aaron Rodgers is going to be the QB thirteen in Dynasty ADP, I would say sign me up. Right now, I think it's a toss-up whether he's a, a buy or a avoid. Heath, what are your thoughts on Aaron Rodgers Dynasty price?
2: I think it's too high. Like the thing is, I'm not 100% sure that Aaron Rodgers is a win now dynasty quarterback because I'm not sure that he's going to help you win now. Um, he's on a team that really behaves like they would like to run the ball a lot and he's not been extremely efficient for several years now. If there's not going to be a big pass volume and there's not going to be great efficiency, I'm not sure he's going to be much better than QB13 in redraft this year. Yeah,
0: it's a weird spot because we always thought of Aaron Rodgers as kind of like the elite guy, you know, now we've got Lamar Jackson and Patrick Mahomes and this whole kind of slew of of younger guys that more than likely have way more upside and um at this point probably a similar floor and the last time we really got to see elite Aaron Rodgers was 2016. He threw 40 touchdowns, like 4,500 yards, et cetera, et cetera. And I think we're still holding on, or maybe not we as in the formal we, but the community itself seems to be holding on to 2016 and the few years prior to that where he truly was elite. We haven't really seen that guy. You know, 2017, obviously with the injury, but still wasn't, necessarily um amazing he was probably closer to on track to have another 2016 type season but then over the last two seasons where he hasn't missed time at all he's just been kind of ho-hum and and Heath mentioned it i think before we started or maybe just a minute ago here that he needed to put a little more pressure down the field take some more risks potentially throw more interceptions which means he's probably making bigger pushes downfield We haven't seen that. Yeah. It's great that he's not turning the ball over, but if you're not taking any chances, are you really, you know, uh, where's your ceiling? Honestly,
1: I will defend Aaron Rodgers a little bit here. I, I think that at the end of the day, he is one of the more talented quarterbacks that we've seen in recent years. And that does have to be accounted for, even at the age of 36, 37, wherever he's at right now. And, I think he's a value at QB 13. I, I think that, you know, it's sort of narrative street to say that Jordan Love uh, drafting will like light a fire under him. But I think it could. Like, I think that he could say, you're going to draft the first round quarterback? Okay, I'm just going to throw an MP- MVP season at you. So I, I think that top five QB season is still within Aaron Rodgers' range of outcomes. And that isn't really a range of outcomes that happens for a guy you can draft as a QB 2 in Dynasty.
0: Do you want me to take that back? I will not take back what I said. The, the issue with, with him being in that quarterback one conversation, honestly, is how much time does he have left? They did draft Jordan Love the last time we saw the Packers draft somebody to take over for a more than likely Hall of Famer. I mean, it was, what, two extra years, three extra years before they saw time? So maybe we have two more years of Aaron Rodgers. And at you know high-end or mid-QB2 production, I, I'm not overly excited about it. I don't really feel like paying QB one prices for someone that's going to get me high end QB 2 you know, output for two or maybe three years. I, I'm I'm less worried about the Jordan Love news. I, I feel like Aaron Rodgers is probably one of those guys that could just pick up and walk away and be OK with it.
2: Yeah, um, I just don't like it. I maybe he's going to get better from 36 to 37 or 38 um, after getting worse from 33 to 36. We've got a three-year trend now where he just has not looked like the same guy and the statistics aren't the same. And so I just don't – I can't reach back to 2016 and hope in 2020 if I'm going to pay a premium for a quarterback that's going to help me win now, I want somebody – I'll pay a little bit more and get somebody better than that, I think.
1: All right, let's go on to another veteran quarterback, and that is Matt Ryan of the Atlanta Falcons, the man who led the NFL in uh, completions last season uh, with 26 touchdowns and 14 interceptions. Matt Ryan, obviously one of the better wide receiving cores in the NFL with Calvin Ridley and Julio Jones. Uh, He did lose Austin Hooper, gained Hayden Hurst, who is pretty much Matt Ryan's age. Um, But uh, Matt Ryan, Dan, what are your thoughts on him as a dynasty win now by
0: well, if you believe in patterns, you know, historical data, this is going to be his year. Every every even year since like 2012 has been great. a uh, QB1 season. Uh, the other ones are like mid QB2. So I think that's the range we're working in. Uh, I would prefer Matt Ryan as a win now piece. He's got better pieces in his offense. He's got an offense, you know, kind of willing to do what he excels at and it's an even year that's you know uh we got a little bit of that voodoo magic going on with matt ryan so yeah i mean i would prefer him to aaron Rodgers. i think at this point and dynasty and redraft and whatever setting you want to put him in you know he's got a couple of years on him still and like i said the offense you still have Julio. you have calvin ridley you bring in todd gurley it's just i think there's so much more atlanta has to offer even if matt ryan isn't I don't think in the same realm as Aaron Rodgers talent wise, he just, you know, I think we see more of what we want from Aaron Rodgers from Matt Ryan.
2: I think this kind of highlights, like we haven't figured out quite what it is yet with quarterbacks. We've seen a few of them get to their mid thirties and just maintain their level or even have like one career year after 35. And then we've seen a few of them that just seem to kind of lose a little something at that that age, and we don't really know. I don't think with elite quarterbacks what it is that ages so much better. But Ryan has definitely aged better than Rodgers. He has a lot more help than Rodgers. I feel a lot more confident in him.
1: Yeah, I, I do as well. As far as a very short-term uh, perspective, and he also has that QB uh, top 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 five QB type ceiling and. I don't I while the Packers spent the offseason committing to the run by spending a second round draft pick on AJ Dillon, among other things, we have the Falcons who, yes, they signed Todd Gurley, but I don't see that team as a run first or anywhere near even a run second team. Like that team's like, okay, we'll run if we absolutely have to. And obviously that's a benefit of Matt Ryan in the quarterback position. All right, let's move on to one more oldie but a goodie at the quarterback. Requisition. This is Tom Brady, QB 26 in Dynasty ADP. Uh, Heath and I talked about it a little bit um, before the before the pod, but one of the, the concerns I have with da- uh, buying Tom Brady as a win-now Dynasty quarterback is that if you buy Aaron Rodgers or if you buy Matt Ryan, like, you're still going to have them in 2021-2022 if there's no 2020 season. With Tom Brady, yes, it kind of seems like he's guaranteed those two years, But still nothing is guaranteed past 2020 with a guy who's at the age of Tom Brady. So Dan does a possible canceled season make you shy away from buying Tom Brady as a win now target.
0: Yeah. I mean, unless I'm getting him for next to nothing, I have zero interest in Tom Brady. I think we've seen a clear decline, you know, 2016, I think kind of like Aaron Rodgers, was the tip of the iceberg. Obviously you look back at like Oh six, Oh seven, Oh eight, that, that kind of, time frame that's probably when you really saw like prime peak brady 2016 i think was the start of the end and um 2019 wasn't good obviously still you know 4,000 yards and 24 and 8 isn't like abysmal by any means but you know if you look at his you know net yards per attempt and all of those stats the things that kind of matter and seem more sticky when you're when you're looking for those types of things i mean he was that was like his bottom third in his career bottom bottom fourth in his career which when you're talking about his career that's a little bit different standard but in the big scheme of things it was pretty not good if we want to call it that
2: yeah i've got a i've got a little more confidence in brady this year than that but i do think the risk of although i don't know it's hard for me to imagine the 2020 season getting called off and tom brady just saying okay i'm just not gonna play anymore um, I, think, I think we'd probably see him back out there in 2021. I think he'd still be your win now quarterback. And I do think he'll be rejuvenated getting out of the bad weather in the second half of the season, getting to work with Bruce Arians, having an incredible set of weapons. I, I'd i rather have Brady as my quarterback for 2020 than I would Rodgers. And he's a lot cheaper.
1: Oh, that's that's a little bit spicy. Uh, I would prefer Rogers there, but I I do think it's a conversation, which is kind of crazy. Uh, Let's go to the running back position. We only have one, one win now running back because they're all basically all the running backs are either young or about to be on the second contract. Uh, The one old ish running back we have on the list is Mark Ingram uh, going 98th overall and nice startup AP. I was a little bit surprised. I have been a Mark Ingram advocate for uh, the last several years. Ninety eight. Which is, you know, top 100. It's top nine round picks. That seems a little bit high for me at 98 overall with marking a guy who's going to lose his job by midseason at the latest. Heath, uh, what are your thoughts on Ingram going that high?
2: Yeah, I think you're probably right on all counts. Um, like he got right around 200 carries when Gus Edwards was the main guy they were giving the ball to. And I think J.K. Thomas is a lot bigger threat than Gus Edwards. Um, I'm concerned about Ingram this year. It's, that's too high for me for a running back. Now, I mean, he was fantastic last year and, and maybe he'll have one of those years left, but uh, that, I'm not paying that price.
0: Yeah. I've got no interest in the top 100 pick. Um, not for Ingram, at least it's, you know, uh, yeah, he had 200 carries. I, you know, we'd be real lucky to see 200 total touches. I, I don't think we sniff that. I think you're probably in the 150 150- Ballpark and it, it's possible they run him into the earth. You know, it's it's possible it's you know his last season or whatever. They make one more run at it and then you know turn the keys over to, to Dobbins. But I feel like they'll probably try to save him because they're probably gonna prefer him for the playoff push over Dobbins. So the regular season could be, you know, pitch count or you know, only really playing first halves or whatever it happens to be situational. I don't want to speak for them or or speculate any of that kind of stuff but if they truly believe he's their running back one they know they're making the playoffs they know they're going to be a contender why wouldn't you save his legs for the time that you need it you know they're going to be blowing teams out just kind of like they were last year and um you know the, the you know the touchdown output was there it, it was pretty high considering for his uh, i'm sorry for his receiving at least he only had 29 targets and he scored five touchdowns that's you're not going to see that again. I can tell you that right now.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, the one positive you can spin for Ingram is that he's in a very good running offense. But I I, I am just not sure how, how much longer that opportunity is going to be there. I do think this is the last his last year in, all, in Baltimore. They're going to go forward with Dobbins and maybe some other young backs later on. Uh, let's go to the wide receiver position, staying in the AFC North. Another guy who I feel like is maybe going a little bit high. Uh, AJ Green going 92 overall uh, right now. And it might be, you know, some recency bias of we just haven't seen AJ Green play in a while. Uh, But can we really trust that AJ Green returns anywhere near to form? Like, I I feel like at this price, you're basically saying he's going to be a wide receiver too at some point in the next two seasons. And I'm not sure that's a guarantee. I, I still think he's talented, still think he's a very good wide receiver. But. I, I'm not sure about his long-term outlook, uh, outlook or even his short-term outlook.
2: This is a very similar range to Ingram. Um, and I would much rather have AJ Green than Mark <laughs> Ingram. But this is still too high of a price. Like that it tells you how, 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 how high I think Ingram is. I, I do think that there's like a 15% chance, 20% chance that he comes back this year and he's just AJ Green again. And we might get that guy for three more years. Um, so there's a a lot of, a lot more upside, but I I don't think it's very likely.
0: Yeah. I mean, we've kind of, we've kind of been hot and cold with AJ green, you know, when he's on the field, he's great. It's AJ green. He's a hell of a football player, but we did see Cincinnati go out and, and spend some draft capital on T Higgins. Tyler Boyd's still there. Still have Joe Mixon, still have Giovanni Bernard. Um, there's a lot. There's a lot more pieces in place. Obviously, you bring in Joe Burrow, so you probably get... um, Well, maybe not in the short term an upgrade at quarterback, but certainly in the long term. And and who knows how long AJ Green's sticking around. So, you know, I feel like this is probably a fair price. I don't feel like it's on either end of the spectrum for me. I'd be fine with him there, but chances are I'm probably taking someone that's younger that has a similar amount of upside uh, because there are still a few guys going in that range. I don't think we see wide receiver one, or really even wide receiver two, A.J. Green. I do still think he's got really nice touchdown upside, but to think he's going to get more than like 120 targets, 115, 120 targets, uh, that might even be pushing it a little bit.
1: Yeah, on this show, sometimes we talk about how sometimes it's okay to wait and pay the higher price. And with A.J. Green, I'll wait until week six, see that he's performing, see that I'm going to win now team and then pay the price. Because even if that happens, his price is a late first or an early second. It's not like whatever, there's nothing he can do in the early part of the season where his price is going to astronomically go higher. Like in most cases, the AJ Green owner is not selling for a second. And so if his price in the best case scenario is a late first, I'll pay that late first if I really want to make that trade uh, in the middle of the season.
0: For sure, and I, I like that.
1: All right, next one. I uh, will go a little bit higher on the value board, and that is one Julio Jones going 33 overall. Is this a win-down target
2: for you, Heath? I definitely think he could help you win now. That seems, seems high to me. And I, I don't think we've seen much evidence that he's lost anything. It's just at this Age, there's a better chance that the next three years we're going to. Like you're that's a that's a high price to play for a wide procedure. It might just be two more years of elite production. It's a little high, but I I might be desperate enough to pay it. How's that?
1: So so this is how I will put it is that Julio Jones is not the type of player that I'm investing in in a startup. But also on a, a league that's in year four, I'm taking Julio Jones over every player that's being picked 34 to 45 because I know that guy is going to be scoring points for me and going to be winning playoff games for me for the next two or three years. So yes, his value is around where it should be, but the guys below him aren't winning you fantasy championships anytime soon.
0: I also think Julio has a little bit of that. His his draft position doesn't reflect his trade value, because even though he is in the third round, your trade value on him... You know, if we're not talking about strict startup right now, if you're talking about a league that's existed and whatever, you can pay a lot less than that to get Julio right now if you find the right owner. Obviously, it takes two to tango, and not everyone's just going to be willing to part with Julio Jones for anything. But he's a good buy in non startup situations because 33 overall isn't his trade value, his trade value is probably closer to 50 at least that's what I've seen in in leagues. You're able to get him for, for a lot less. And I'm very comfortable with trade prices, ADP. I don't hate Julio in the third, you know, if I'm winning or that's usually my, my goal is to win right away. I don't really, I'm not one for punting, but uh, if I can get Julio in the third, that, that, that comes with a a pretty big punch uh, in the short term, at the very least talking about at least a couple more years of high end wide receiver one production. And um uh, I, I, don't, I don't dislike Julio at 33. The tail end of the third round seems, seems about right.
1: All right, let's go on to another wide receiver. And I will say this is my favorite buy that we'll talk about tonight. It's T.Y. Hilton going 88 overall. He isn't Julio Jones' age. He isn't at the threat of losing his job to a wide receiver, too. Not that really Julio is either, but that's some hyperbole for you. Uh, T.Y. Hilton is the wide receiver one for the Indianapolis Colts, and I don't really see that changing anytime soon. Uh, we'll talk about uh, Michael Pittman and Paris Campbell a little bit later, but I see Hilton as a top 20 NFL wide receiver today and as a guy who probably should be valued as a top 30 dynasty wide receiver because he has three, four, maybe even five years if we're really pushing it. You know, He has the archetype, the, the, the wide receiver type that we've seen go – into the mid thirties. And so yes, he had some injuries. Yes. He was playing with the, the ghost of Jacobi Brissett uh, last season, but Hilton is better than his price is showing right now.
0: Yeah. I hear. Oh, go ahead.
2: Heath. No, I I would, I would agree with that. Um, it's, I think it's relative. Like there's plenty of reason to be concerned. I think about his long-term future, just because of his current contract situation and the, philip river's age um but i think ty hilton's still a good number two receiver in fantasy or a low-end number
0: two receiver and that's that's too late for that the thing i hear a lot with ty hilton is the good old injury prone prior to 2019 he missed four games in seven seasons so he's missed 10 games in his career six of them were in 2019 he's not injury prone I mean, yeah, da- I mean, I get, I get what you're
1: saying, Dan. But people play the same game with Cooks. Like, Cooks missed like three games prior to last year.
0: <laughs> yeah, but his brain's mush. Um, <laughs> yeah, Hilton, clear, clear number one on that team. Yes, we don't know if he's going to be there for the long haul. What the what the future is for him? I'm not sure that it matters. I feel like he's still got plenty of tread left on the tires. And with like, I'm right there with you, Nathan. He's one of my favorite buys. I feel like you can get him obviously based on ADP for pretty damn cheap. And uh, he's really done nothing but put up points in his career. So uh, I'm all, I'm all on board with that one.
1: All right. Now let's go to uh, another wide receiver. We have Adam Thielen of the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, he is being drafted at 56 overall. He is right now the wide receiver one for the Minnesota Vikings. Obviously, they have Justin Jefferson in the first round who will be developed into their future wide receiver one. But as of 2020, Adam
2: Thielen, number one target in that Vikings offense. What are your thoughts on him, Heath? I like. I don't really get why there's 25 spots separating Adam Thielen and T.Y. Hilton. There's certainly some opportunity for Thielen there, but Thielen, I think when the season starts, will also be 30 years old, just like Hilton. Thielen missed... Really, most of last year, he played a lot in the second half, but they didn't really use him. Um, if anybody, I, he's just as injury prone as by Hilton is. I don't, I don't, I don't love this price.
1: I do think that part of it is that Hilton came into the NFL at age like 20 and a half, and Thielen came to the NFL at age 23. So people see, like, oh, Hilton's been in the league for 10 years, whereas Thielen's been in the league for like six years. Right. Yeah. He, yeah.
0: he, he started at, yeah, 24. He's He'll be 30 when this season happens. So, I mean, he, he doesn't have near the amount of, of workload on him. Uh, and really, you know, he, he started at 24, but didn't really get any real snaps until 26. We're talking about four years versus, you know, eight on, on TY Hilton. So yeah, I, I feel like these two should be kind of right there with one another Dylan's locked in. Don't see much happening. Yeah. They do bring in Justin Jefferson, but Nothing has changed for Adam Thielen. For me, he's, he's the clear wide receiver one there. We're going to continue to get really nice output, even if Kirk Cousins is Kirk Cousins. He's going to lead that that team in targets and, and going to get a nice workload. And, you know, if the touchdowns are there, we should see a wide receiver one season, in all honesty.
1: Yeah, I, I do think that the, the caution with Fant, I mean, not with Fant, the caution with Adam Thielen would be that There is the possibility of if he has another injury here or if he doesn't produce wide receiver one or wide receiver two numbers, then his value tanks from, you know, fifth round startup pick to what, like
2: 12th round startup pick? Well, what what happens if this year he's only like 30 targets or 20 targets ahead of Justin Jefferson and they throw 450 passes again? Mm -hmm. Like there's just not much to a path for him to be a wide receiver one this year. I think his value does tank.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So I, I do think he's a bit volatile from a dynasty perspective, but I also think that he's a nice win now. Tar- I mean, I, I think we're kind of focusing a bit too much on the dynasty part. Win now, everyone knows when they're making a win now trade, you're going to lose the dynasty value of a win now trade more often than not. And so I, if you think Thielen is at, you know, top 15, top 20 wide receiver, then I think he's a, n- a nice win now target who you can get for a late first or maybe a couple seconds. So. The, the value might be there from a trade perspective, but also you do have to be wary that the bottom could fall out this time next year. Yeah. Let's wrap up our win now targets with another expensive one. And uh, the $500 million man's best friend, uh, Travis Kelsey. Travis Kelsey going 27 overall in nice startups. I'll start because everyone knows my tight end opinions. I don't pay for tight ends, I particularly don't pay for tight ends who are valued at their ceiling. And Travis Kelsey, he's not going to go higher than 27 ever. He's going to be going down every year for the next five years uh, because he's getting older and he came in the NFL at an older age. And there's the possibility that that because they signed that huge contract that they can't uh, re-sign him long-term.
0: Yeah, no, I'm I'm right there with you. I think everybody also knows my tight end Uh, hatred, I guess. We did create a league that's literally called tight end game. (laughs) So... Uh, yeah, not uh, not going to pay that price for any tight end. If I'm going to, it's probably going to be Mark Andrews or George Kittle. Certainly isn't going to be Travis Kelsey, even though he is attached to Patrick Mahomes for however long he decides to play, assuming they're able to re-sign him. It's just, you know, a, a fringe second round pick isn't something I'm going to be spending a, a, a premium dynasty pick on at any point. For tight yeah, end,
2: at least, I, I um, I've been a Chiefs fan my whole life, and I just saw him stand on the street and catch a full beer in his mouth off the of <laughs> double-decker bus <laughs> during a Super Bowl parade. So I'm not going to say anything bad about Travis Kelsey, but yeah, that's higher than I have as well, and I wouldn't want to pay that.
1: All right, uh, before we get into, we're gonna do some teammate matchups. Uh, you know, facing teammates against each other some are rookie or the vet but some are not so we won't do a full rookie or the vet segment but before we do that we got to talk about our
0: friends over
1: at bet online
0: sports are coming back and so are your chances to bet on your favorite teams and events and there's no better place to start than our exclusive partners bet online get in on the action for this week's big ufc fight or check out odds on nascar formula one and the premier league can't wait for your team to come back? Well, Bet Online has future odds including win totals, division winners, and even league championships. Or you can check out daily simulations of Madden and NBA 2K to watch and wager on. Visit BetOnline.ag and use promo code BlueWire to receive your new welcome bonus. That's promo code BlueWire. B L U E W I R E. Bet Online, your online wagering experts.
1: All right, time to get a little bit. Of this or that on teammate edition. So we're going to pit two teammates against each other from the same position, and we'll talk about who we'd rather have from a dynasty perspective. First, we have Darius Geis, Washington, oh, Washington team names uh, to be named (laughs) later. Uh, Darius Geis or
2: Antonio Gibson. We'll start with Heath. I will still take Geis. Um, there's been a lot of excitement about Antonio Gibson. I know he's probably just going to be Christian McCaffrey because Christian McCaffrey was just created by Ron Rivera and the Panthers coaching staff. Um, no, I I will take guys and just hope that he can please somehow stay healthy.
0: Yeah, I I agree. I, I feel like the floor between them is probably the same thing. And the ceiling for me is significantly higher with Darius Geis. Uh, I think Antonio Gibson is more your gadget guy. You know they'll probably scheme him some targets and things like that. He's never going to be a workhorse guy, but uh, yeah, I, I don't. I don't mind Antonio Gibson. He's got decent draft capital being taken in the third round. But Geis for me is is by far the the pr- um, preferred talent at least. So here's my take.
1: I think oh. that if we're talking about trade value, it's Geis. I, I, I traded Geis away a month ago for a second and a third. There's no scenario where you could trade away Antonio Gibson for a second and a third. If we're talking about who is going to have the most fantasy points in the next four years, I think it's Antonio Gibson. I think that they are going to fall in love with him very quickly, get him involved in the passing game. And Darius Geis is one injury away from Washington. Me like, see you later. <laughs> like, you know, he just continues to, to hit those injuries, unfortunately, and they invested early in a running back. And so I'm going to go with that running back rather than the one they invested in a few years ago. All right, let's go on to our next one. Another running back matchup. We have Tevin Coleman versus Raheem Mostert. I will start us off, boys and girls, because I am going to start us with the flaming take and say it's Tevin Coleman. I, I think that he is more likely the RB1 in San Francisco once he is healthy, once that offense gets rolling. And I think Raheem Mostert's one of the most overvalued players in redraft, dynasty, whatever format you want to talk about right now. I still think there's some of the Atlanta 7 Coleman alive in San Francisco.
2: I just think that he wasn't healthy in 2020. 2019. Uh, or, <laughs> yeah, whatever year it was. Um, is it a hot take if I just like agree with every word you just said? <laughs> no, it's, it's correct take. <laughs> yeah, I I'll throw in Tevin Coleman's younger too. Yep. Like, um, I don't have anything else to say. You said it all.
0: Yeah, that was gonna be my one extra point. Was was Coleman's a year younger? We hadn't seen Raheem Mostert in any real action until this last year. I would assume that's fresh legs versus Tevin Coleman not being healthy at all at any point in 2019. It seemed like. Yeah, it's Tevin Coleman by quite a bit. Uh, a great target right now, great buy because everyone does kind of seem to think it's going to be a you know like a fifty-fifty type timeshare. And I mean, Kyle Shanahan got his brought his guy in. Um, let's not forget though, Jarek McKinnon still exists. All right, gotta though. <laughs> That's a real question. All right, we got two more before
1: we wrap up. What I referenced this a little bit earlier. We have Colts wide receiver twos or threes. We have paris campbell versus michael pittman what
2: are your thoughts on this young duo heath i mean we we have about as much information on paris campbell in the nfl as we have on michael pittman in the nfl after one year um i i'm gonna go with pittman i like um i feel like he is more likely to actually be a you know 75 80 of the snap type guy and play a full 16-game season, I think you could really have some good success in the red zone. I think they might be better off if they played Pittman and Zach Pascal a little bit more outside and just played T.Y. in the slot. It talks like they might play Paris Campbell a little more this year. It would be nice, but I'm going with Pittman.
0: Paris, for me, fits more of the kind of put him anywhere type, type guy. You can put him in the backfield. You can put him in the slot. You can put him outside. Um, he's explosive enough and, and good enough where he can win from basically any place. Pittman's more that prototypical big body tight end production type guy that's only going to play outside. You know, I, I, I think I have similar shares of both. I, I like the upside of both. I think honestly that they can coexist. The, the issue is going to be T Y Hilton and, and who gets those number two shares from you know whatever Ty Hilton doesn't get. So I'm I'm probably sticking still with Paris Campbell, but that's mostly because I'm not a USC guy.
1: <laughs> yeah, I I think this one is very close, but I lean Paris a little bit. Just he had he has a whole offseason in an NFL team, you know, Michael Pittman's going to be coming into a, a, a team that's going to have what? I mean, yes, they've talked about you know training camp's going to be full or whatever, but I do think that the rookie experience for rookies in 2020 is not going to be as beneficial for production as in previous seasons. So that combined with just having more faith in the guy they've had on their roster for a year, I think that's where I would lean, Paris Campbell. And I know that this is Dynasty; it's not redraft based on oh what's going to happen this year. But production this year is going to have a heavy impact on the dicey value of those two players. For sure. All right, let's wrap up the show with one that, if you had asked me this question (laughs) 12 months ago, I would have said, excuse me, what's wrong with you? Are you an idiot? Uh, And if you had told me that both these players would be Buccaneers, I would also say, excuse me, what are you talking about? Are you an idiot? We have Rob Gronkowski versus O.J. Howard. Who are you taking in Dynasty Fantasy Football League's Heath?
2: Ugh, oh, I don't there's no player that I find that's harder to rank than Gronk because he's basically Travis. Like, yeah, he's that out last year, but he's Travis Kelsey's age, and most everybody just agrees, even though Kelsey's value is falling, he's going to be a top five like everybody's going to consider him a top five tight end right now. I've got Gronk ahead of OJ Howard right now. I think um like there's something that I don't I miss with OJ Howard, but multiple it's, it's gone through multiple coaching staffs now. There's some reason why he's not the force of nature, one of the most talented tight ends in the NFL, and he's got plenty of time for that to change. Young tight ends are notoriously notoriously bad, but I'll go with Gronk.
1: I will say that if I had any confidence of Gronk being anything outside of the red zone, I'd be going Gronk here. But I will take the hope, the wonderment, the chance <laughs> that O.J. Howard is playing elsewhere or just the light switch flicks on. Something can happen with O.J. Howard, whereas Gronk, I, I see Gronk ceiling as like, 30 catches for 300 yards and six touchdowns. Oh, wow. I, I, I don't think that he is alive. I think he's, I think he comes, he's going to unretire and basically be a red zone weapon. And that's it.
0: Yeah, I can see that. I I mean, you have, you still have obviously Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. You've got a backfield. That's probably going to, going to derive more usage than in previous years, especially with Tom Brady. So, I don't know that either tight end is going to be extremely valuable in the short term because it is dynasty. I think I have to take OJ Howard. Yeah. We haven't really seen anything from him yet. I thought if there was going to be a guy, especially from that class that could do it early, it would have been OJ Howard. He felt like the most polished, the most NFL ready did everything very well. And it just kind of hasn't worked. It's been kind of weird because when he's used, he's great. But then he just doesn't get the usage. He doesn't see the snaps. He doesn't get the targets. He doesn't get anything. And we're all left here with our hands in the air wondering what the hell to do with him. So Gronk is going to be their pass-catching tight end. He is going to be their red zone tight end. And we're all going to have to struggle with O.J. Howard and hope his second contract comes from somebody that actually likes to use tight ends. And is willing to feature him.
1: Do you have any uh, any hope for OJ Howard long term,
2: Heath? Yeah, um, but that's like that's all it is. It's mm-hmm. it, there's nothing. We don't have. I don't think we have much reason for anything else. It's, I, I'm all. It's, yeah. That's exactly how I feel about OJ Howard. The fact <laughs> that I could not put any words together. <laughs>
1: There we go. All right. We put some <laughs> words together for a nice, dynasty nice straight cast on road of radio with our friend Heath Cummings. We are deep in the fishbowl. Uh, hopefully next week we'll be wrapping up or finish with our drafts. Uh, Heath, any last words, anything to promo before you head out?
2: Uh, no, when we talked about the dynasty coverage, we got there at CBS. I appreciate you guys having me on. It's always a good time.
1: All righty. Any last words, Dan?
0: I just made my 14th round picks. Suck it. <laughs> wear your mask, stay healthy, be good don't do stupid things
1: stay inside Kadoosh.
3: this is Brandon Kelly the host of Blue Wire's new podcast Golden Goals Gold. From Lionel Messi to Marta to Pele, our show takes a deep dive into soccer superstars. And he's... What a World Cup for Megan Rapino. From Zlatan Ibrahimovic's brash confidence with the play to back it up to Megan Rapino's heroic outspokenness and World Cup flair.